Good morning, St. Paul's. If you would please turn your pew Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. That's page 1773 in your pew Bibles. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The second reading is Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 20, and can be found on page 1501 in the Pew Bibles. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Is it, no longer, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think I have have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will 
by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Almighty God, we pray that you would meet us here this morning. Or rather, you are already here. May we have the eyes and the ears to see you. God, may may our worship transform us to the very core of our being. May we become more like you, so that we may be your people in the world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. My voice is a little itchy today, so you'll have, to, you'll have to bear with me. If you didn't hear me, just ask me to rewind, and I'll just start the sermon all over again like I did last week. Do you ever read something or see something on television, or, or maybe, maybe you smell something and it takes you right back to a childhood memory? As I was reading through Matthew 5 to, uh, this week, that, uh, that Jim read for us, and Jesus talks about light and salt. I was taken right back to my grandparents' house. My grandfather, when we would go down for dinner, and he was a salt-of-the-earth person, pun intended, I suppose. And he loved his salt. And he would sit, he'd eat potatoes, boiled potatoes, just a plate of boiled potatoes with a stick of butter, melting on them. And he would take the salt shaker and every once in a while he would take the lid off and he would just kind of go like this with it. And he'd have these, it looked like snow covering mountains. He would take this and just put this salt in and he would eat it. And the man never, ever, ever had any issue with cholesterol or hypertension. He would load the salt onto those potatoes. And I remember watching him thinking, that's, that's not edible anymore. He, he loved it. I also remembered at nighttime. Now, I grew up right behind my grandparents' house. <clears throat> and, you know, we'd, it would be frequent that we'd go down the hill if you needed an ingredient or if you had a question or if you wanted a copy of the TV guide. Anybody remember that? We'd go down the, the hill. But when the light went off on the back door, we knew that was it. Couldn't call. You couldn't go down. The light on the back door entrance, when that went off, that signaled that it'd have to wait until the morning. And then you look down in the morning, and just as it was dawn, the, the light would come back on. So you'd see, oh, the light's on. Now we can go down and get the cup of sugar or whatever it is that we, that we needed. Salt and light communicate a lot to us. I read a lot about salt this week. I learned more about salt than I ever wanted to know. Did you know that Romans 
The ancient Roman Empire first built roads so that they could transport salt more easily to Rome. That was the whole reason they built roads in the beginning, was so that they could transport salt and trade it. It was one of the most precious commodities of the ancient world. In fact, salt was used often in the place of currency. It would be used to purchase and exchange goods. Did you know that no life form in the entire universe can exist without the chemical composition of salt? I didn't know that. And then, of course, there's light. Light is fundamental to human flourishing and to life in our world, isn't it? Plants take in light and they convert that into food and energy. We need light to be able to see where we're going, don't we? Light serves all sorts of purposes, like allowing us to be here in this building and to see what we're doing, but even more so, life. light allows for life. When you get beyond sort of a, a surface level use of these elements of salt and light, we start to see how fundamental they are to our very existence. Is it any wonder that Jesus uses salt and light when talking about us, his people? Last Sunday, we began a few weeks in the Sermon on the Mount. And maybe it's the teacher in me, but I feel like I want to go back and recap so that we're all on the same page. This famous sermon, as we saw last week, starts with the Beatitudes. This list that Jesus gives, not just so that we can be blessed or be a blessing in some way, but even more than that, in that word Beatitude is this fundamental orientation to God and life that allows for complete human flourishing, for shalom, for peace. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you do this, if you are a peacemaker, if you are pure in heart, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, and he goes on and on. Jesus said, these are the ingredients to a life that's really worth living. A life where you find yourself because you become the person that God created you to be. And then we move into this bit today about salt and light. Jesus talking to his followers, telling them how they should be in the world. If you recall, Jesus goes up on the mountain to give this new set of teaching. What does that sound like? Who goes up on a mountain to get a set of teaching from God? Moses. So here is Jesus, the new Moses, teaching people what it looks like to live under God's reign. With Jesus' inauguration into the world, with the beginning of his ministry, as he begins this this new covenant, this new realm of God's rule, Jesus starts to teach what it looks like, what it means, the implications of living in the kingdom, living under the rule, the authority of Jesus Christ. And he says that we are salt and light. You know, Jesus takes light and city on a hill kind of together. 
And it was common in the ancient world. And maybe if any of you have ever traveled around the Mediterranean, maybe you've seen this, that often when you come to a port, the city is built onto what? Into the hill, into the cliffs. That was, uh, it was for navigational purposes. So that ships would, they would see the light of the city set up high and they would be able to navigate more clearly into that port. Light's important. City on a hill. Jesus is also saying something else to us. Follow me here for a moment. In the temple, the very place where it was believed that God dwelled, the center of worship and indeed of all of life for an ancient Jew. What do you think was the most important element in purification rituals as one went into the temple? It was salt. It was salt. Did you know that the temple in Jerusalem was up on a hill? It was a city on a hill. And you know what a prominent feature of the temple was? Lampstands on which you would set a light. So not only in some way are we salt, bringing flavor, bringing preservation, bringing goodness into the world. Not only are we a light through which Jesus Christ can shine to those around us. You and I, friends, we're the very temple of God. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. They are the very temple of God. They will bring God's presence into the world around them. Let that sink in for a minute. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, you are God's temple. You are God's temple. Friends, how might that change our lives, our world? our day-to-day interactions with other people, if we really believed, if we really knew that in every moment, in every conversation, in every relationship, in every encounter with friend, family, and stranger alike, that we in some real way are representing and bringing God into their lives, that we are the temple, the vessel that Paul indicates for the Holy Spirit to to work in and through us. How might that change everything around us? When we are in a relationship, when we're at work, when we go to the store, it's no longer Evan or Janet or Bill or Jim or Pete. It's a temple of God coming into that place. A person through whom God wants to touch the world and make an impact. Friends, you and I, we're his body, we're his representation. Here in this world, in this place. For better or worse, and sometimes for worse, God uses ordinary, frail, everyday people called into the church to be his witnesses in the world by being salt, by being light. Too often, however, instead of that representation of God's very goodness and love and holiness in the world, 
Christians have been forces of destruction, of death. You know, salt can also be used to destroy. In ancient Rome, when they would go into a city and conquer it, they would raise it, they would plunder it, and they would salt the earth so that nothing would ever grow back in that spot. Light, if you have a light source and you get too close to it for too long, it can burn you. It can hurt you. Friends, sometimes as Christians and well-meaning at times, we can be a source of heat and not light. And God is looking for people who are going to bring his light into the world. Not bring undue heat. God is looking for people who are going to be agents of preservation, not agents of destruction. And yet so often when we lose our saltiness, when our light goes out, we're not that temple. We're not that representation. We're not that vessel for God to use. Stay salty. Be the light. Attend to your walk with God. Stay connected to that power source. Stay in tune with what God is doing in your life, in the life of his church, in the world around us. Listen, pray, allow God to speak to you. All of that, when we are intentional about cultivating our spiritual lives and our walk with God and our relationship with him, we're going to be salty, but we're not going to be destructive. We're going to be the light that illuminates, the light that brings clarity, the light that allows things to be revealed, but not heat that burns up and burns unnecessarily. For to stay connected to God, be the salt and be the light as you are his temple in the world. Amen.